Hey, Ruck, I've got something to talk to you about. Oh, what's that, Bullwinkle? Uh, you know what we're going to talk about tonight? No, but now here's something you'll really like. Us talking about television! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd. And yes, Miles, I've been practicing that impression all day. My name is Drew, and here we are in the month of January 2024 to talk about the TV shows that made us, the TV that that sticks in our brains as stuff that we go back to time and time again, and the stuff that's just sort of embedded into our personalities. And yes, that was my first pick of the night. But before we get to that point, Miles, how are you, friend? I'm good. Um, I am. I'm always excited to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, I like these more off the cuff conversations where we don't have something to review and we can actually chit chat. Um, uh, Drew has gotten some uh, suggestions for music stuff, so I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Don't think we found anything that he's like fallen in love with yet, but it's it's fun to have him try stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with with that said, yeah, tonight we're talking about TV and we're talking about TV shows that have sort of been foundational for us in the way that we talked about the movies that we go back to or went back to over and over again back when we were we were young. Um, and yeah, the first one I want to talk about is Rocky and Bullwinkle, the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which was a fantastic TV show with uh uh, Bullwinkle the Moose and Rocky J Squirrel as they uh, encountered different things with, uh, you know, Boris Badnov and Natasha. And you had the the Mr. Peabody and Sherman going through time and, and Aesop's fables and just a fun show that I wish like my kids don't know who Rocky and Bullwinkle are. I did this impression around them today and they had no idea what I was doing. It's it's weird because that show and those characters were so popular for so long and then like nothing like you had a live action movie and that's I think it like they haven't had like newer shows, have they? Uh, well, they uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman had. No, I know movie? Mr. Peabody and Sherman did. and they, they also had a CGI movie, but I'm talking about like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, I want to say there might have been one on Netflix, but I do not remember. But regardless, it's one of those things there. I feel like we have to have the conversation about who we are. And we are millennials. We were raised on television as much as we were raised on the Internet. And. As a result, like. We have memories of stuff that is beyond our time like rocky and bullwinkle well, happened in the 60s a, so we we also came up uh at a time where reruns were a heavy thing especially on on channels like usa network and cartoon network where entire blocks like cartoon network didn't have really original stuff until your mid to late 90s but it still uh, existed so i i remember specifically when cartoon cartoon happened for yeah cartoon network but the, there were there were large facets of time and large uh blocks of afternoons that were dedicated to reruns and this is how some things stayed alive and we've talked uh previously about how uh reruns for star trek the animated series helped revive the franchise and so we got exposed to a lot of old cartoons and that's why we have them as fresh as if we watched them when they came out so like if we made it a reference to captain caveman or captain uh, Birdman caveman before... yes we all know uh, captain or caveman. birdman before harvey you know like Bur harvey these... birdman only worked because we knew who birdman was Right. right. The thing about Harvey Birdman as a show is that so many of the of the 
of the other characters in that show were legacy Hanna-Barbera and associated characters that Cartoon Network owned. Like, yeah, Mitor was a judge. Mitor that yeah. that. Uh, I mean, the big the big breakout from the late 90s and early 2000s that was like universally popular. I would say the first viral show Cartoon Network really had was Space Goes Coast to Coast. Well, Space Goes Coast to Coast was weird because it was a show in like 1992. It was so early in Cartoon mm-hmm. Network's run. And then it wasn't until Adult Swim came out that I think they brought the show back and made new episodes. It's it was something like that, but like it it necessitated knowing who Space Ghost was as to why it was funny initially, because like I grew up watching Space Ghost cartoons. I did too with and, with a uh, Jan and Jace. Was that the? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was Jan and Jace and, and, and Bleep, Bleep the Monkey. Bleep, Bleep, Bleep the Monkey. Bleep yeah. the Monkey. Um, the I mean, it's fun talking about these because like there is this whole treasure trove of not just Hanna Barbera, but just like of like this block of time, like from like 68 to like 80, I would say four, where before you get into like the big ones that everyone knows, like your Hime, your Transformers, your Ghostbusters, all that stuff, of a wide assortment of weird characters. And some of them are really, really cool and have been revived. I know that, um, you know, DC did an attempt to do this kind of Hanna-Barbera line um, that they have mostly given up on, but a lot of it was pretty good. Uh, one time in the early 2000s, they did a four issue. I think Mark Wade wrote this four issue Space Ghost miniseries that took it the whole concept extremely seriously. And it was also very good. Like there, there are all these interesting ideas. And it's possible because you had a bunch of young writers, you know, taking all sorts of things to help them with these uh, these ideas. <laughs> but I mean, it was a fresh time. I, I definitely think like. It starts with, you know, the Rocky and Bullwinkle. Because that's more like, what, late 60s, early 60s? Rocky uh, I would have to look it up right now. I want to say it was mid-60s. Um, that's That sounds about right. Um, uh, it was 59 to 64. Oh, my gosh. It started in 1959. Wow. That's, that's a hell of a run. Yeah. Um, which also is why some of those, those episodes look so wonky, um, even, even then. Oh, so, you mean you mean right. they only had four frames of animation, <laughs> right? But so, what is it about Rocky and Bullwinkle that? Because I, I, I know we've been dancing around the concept of the show existing, but and I, I I would love to get more in the weeds about that. But really, like, why why is this your first pick? Uh, just uh, because I thought that would be funny for the intro, but also it's one of the earliest shows that I. I feel like I watched and because I looked at this in a weird way of like this kind of proud millennial, as we mentioned before, like I know so many shows from so many decades. So all of my shows are broken under the decades and I have too many to talk about and I am going to forget to bring something up. But Rocky and Bullwinkle was just so much fun and it was all these these chunks of of segments. So there were a 163 episodes of Rocky and Bullwinkle. But if you broke those down into their just little segments, whether it was a spy versus spy, whether it was a Dudley Do-Right, which was a, another one, Peabody mm-hmm. and Sherman. We've talked about a, a lot of these already. Didn't, um, didn't Brendan Fraser play Dudley Do-Right? I think he did. Um, but he or did he play George of the Jungle, which I believe also oh, he came did, out he did of both. This. He did both. He was well, also in Deadly Do Right. Um, but uh, out of 163 episodes, if you broke those down into the individual segments, there were 815 individual segments of this show that could all be shown independently of each other. And that's just that's a lot of content, man. It's just so mm-hmm. much content. And it was all just real fun. And, you know, you had uh, was it? Uh, uh, who was a uh, June foray as Rocky J squirrel and uh, you just all, all these different characters and, you know, they've attempted to come back to the show, but it's just a show that was, it was innocent and fun and, and just had, had a lot of, you know, just silly moments, you know? Yeah. Um, we've, we've had a couple of also weird attempts to make live action 
Rocky and Bullwinkle movies. There's been like, there's been two live actions <laughs> and one animated attempt, and then a Peabody and Sherman. Uh, Robert De Niro film. played a Boris Badenov, <laughs> which is so weird, Abs- absolutely ridiculous. Because like, no, wait, no. I'm thinking of the Jason Alexander one. Oh, what? Didn't De Niro play Rocky and Bolt? Uh, did... Was there an animated version where he played that? Because it no, wasn't in the. Of... Is Jason Alexander in the in the main Rocky and Bolt movie? So I'm not sure. He played he played fearless leader. Oh, he played fearless Fear leader. Played fearless okay, leader. okay. I knew he was in one. I I just. So yeah, it's it is it is and that was just and that was in the year two thousand twenty four years ago. Good lord, we're old. So for me, in terms of the older cartoons or older older shows, I mean, I've got a couple old shows that I that I think really shaped me. But one one I think that like is certainly part of my DNA, especially in my my love for uh, genre entertainment for kids. I I can't not bring up Scooby Doo. Oh, Scooby-Doo, yes, 100%. I mean, this is a show, Scooby-Doo has been the uh, the franchise that has stood the test of time where Mm -hmm. it's still on, well, I I don't think it's on right now, but it has had more reboots and restarts and things like that than just about any other franchise. It may be in between series, but I'm pretty sure there's a current one. Um, oh, no. Scooby-Doo and Guess Who ended in 2021. Um, and then they did the adult show Velma. But, yeah, I mean, was, literally with Scooby-Doo, it's that. only a matter of time before you get out. I mean, this this show consistently lives. And and I, I would say there's still no break because they constantly, since 1998, make direct-to-video animated films. Uh, we just got Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2. Uh, yeah, that just happened like last week, this week, yeah, something like it was, that. It was it was not long ago. <laughs> uh, um, which which we we do have to talk about Frank Welker uh, when we talk about Scooby Doo, just as <sighs> Frank Welker, who was the original voice of Shaggy, not or not Shaggy, the original voice of Fred. Excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, not the original voice of Shaggy. <laughs> never the voice of Shaggy, not the original voice of Scooby, but the current voice of Scooby. Um, Frank Welker is the most, the longest running voice actor. He's 77 and he still sounds like he's 15. He can still do how he does that. I don't know either. He can still do the Fred voice. Like it is absolutely insane that he is still the go-to Fred voice when all of the other voices have changed. Um, The man's an absolute talent and he's going to be hard to replace. But yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. I mean, that not that it couldn't be done. I mean, they found Matthew Lillard who has been shaggy since, uh, Casey Kasem, uh, retired the role basically. And, um, I mean, honestly, Matthew Lillard is shaggy is, 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 is so spot on and excellent. And he loves doing it because, He's 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 done it so many times. He come he keeps coming back because yeah, I I can tell it's just a character that he loves. So it's um, it's it, it's it's funny that you mentioned Matthew Lillard because they have so many other people that have come in and out of the roles, like uh uh um Gray Delisle I believe is who plays mm-hmm. Daphne and she has played Daphne since the early nineties with a pup named Scooby Doo which is not on my list but it is uh is a show I loved that show when it came out uh, Red Herring uh yeah that whole thing. Um, but uh, 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 Velma in that show was um, from Facts of Life. What is her name? I hate that I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. Uh, Nic- uh, not Nicole Jeff. Uh, um, was it Pat Stevens? When I search, I can't for, when I search for Scooby Doo cast, it gives me everybody that's ever been it. I know, but I, but I will, she she say... only stepped down uh, in the last five or six years. Um, in in le- and now Kate Micucci uh, has taken the role over. Uh, of Kate Velma. Micucci's been Velma since 2015. 
Um, so a little more than five or six years, but yeah, because I think but of everything I, in the I realm love of Kate Mikuchi as Velma. I think she does a like Matthew Lord does a stellar job. But this this show was so impactful because you know one, it is a horror themed show that any child can watch. Um, it has some of the best. I, I actually follow an Instagram that is dedicated just to the background art in Scooby Doo because it has some of the coolest locations and settings and pieces of artwork in any cartoon i've ever watched um but a, a gang of i mean this this is such my dna because a gang of kids solving mysteries including hauntings and curses all that stuff and i mean in the in the original show it's never an actual curse well or monster. And, and so always but, but and this know. is this is what i liked about the show is that and this is me as an adult reflecting on it when it comes to the original Scooby-Doo, it was never a supernatural thing. It was always them using their powers of deduction and investigating things to find out that there was something more at play. It mm -hmm. was the original skeptic show. They were always skeptical of what was going on. There was always something deeper that was happening. Except for Shaggy and Scooby. Except, well, I, our, 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 our comedic relief, who are the stars of the show? Yeah. Like, but like and this is why, as you know, when you talk about later Scooby-Doo shows that have gotten into actual supernatural things, I don't like those as much because it robs it, it, it of that, like the, that core. The, the first time, I mean, outside of the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo with Vincent Price, which is great. The first time like you get the, the big version of that is in 98's um, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. And it does that super super well um when shaggy becomes a werewolf and when shaggy uh is like the coach of the ghoul school it works very well it's a lot of the other movies it does feel to lose its impact a little bit um but i also like it because it does bring back the oh is this happening or is it not like well, when I watch but, a Scooby Doo show now, I'm very curious: are they are they going to go all in, or is it somebody in a suit? And that's that's fun for me. I I don't want to I don't want I don't want to spoil too much of more recent Scooby Doo shows like Mystery Incorporated, which I really like 99 percent of. But uh, really good, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, I feel like we have so many shows on our list. We need to move I, on. I know, but I I got I had to bring up the goat because that that show is is massively important to me just as a a genre fan as a kids on bikes fan or in this kids in van but yeah a bunch of kids getting together solving mysteries and you know also having jokes about food is 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 such a thing that has been imprinted in my dna that like i a lot of it just goes right back to scooby-doo <laughs> yeah so uh i'm gonna do one more from the 60s um and uh that's the dick van dyke show the dick van dyke show uh starring of course, Dick Van Dyke, created by Carl Reiner. Uh, you know, love Carl Reiner. Uh, rest in peace, Carl Reiner. I think he passed away, right? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, starring Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore as uh, he played Dick Petrie and his wife, Laura, as they sort of existed in this early 1960s couple uh, as Dick worked for as a writer on a radio show. <laughs> And all of the people that sort of came in and out of that and the iconic theme song. And you know what happens then? He either falls over the ottoman or he steps around it, depending on the season. Um, but it was just it was a show that like I started watching this show in the late 80s, early 90s, and it still felt so fresh and new. Like I knew it was old, but it was still so much fun and I, I i think that that really you know when you have the the cast and crew involved in this and specifically van dyke and mary tyler moore and mary tyler moore who went on to be just hugely successful in tv um dick van dyke is dick van dyke he's still around and with us and uh it, it just gotta say it was one that i would of all the black and white mostly black and white shows that i watched that was one that i always made the time for as a kid Yeah, um, I don't have as many that far back. I mean, there there are certainly there's a lot of shows that I watched 
Um, I, I was a kid that often had insomnia. Um, I just liked staying up late, uh, which, you know, nowadays I'm like, oh, how did you do that, kid? Um, and so I, I would see a lot of these older shows, especially like on Dick at Night. Um, I saw more Mary Tyler Moore stuff and Carol um, Burnett stuff. Mary, Mary Tyler and, Moore was a fantastic show, too. I loved that show. Don't get me wrong. Like, no, no, no. But, but as far as like a show that had impact on me, it's probably I mean, we probably in terms of the live action stuff. Outside of like your Star Trek, which I'm, I think we both kind of agree we're not going to talk about Star Trek. Yes, we're not uh, going to talk like we're not going to talk about Star Trek. I've talked about Star Trek all the time. Star Trek was hugely important to me. Still is. Um, same thing with The Simpsons. I promised Miles I wouldn't spend an hour talking about The Simpsons, but I didn't promise him that I wouldn't spend 45 minutes talking about The Simpsons. I, I that's a Simpsons joke. But yeah, um, uh, I I love both of those shows, and they would be the only two shows I would talk about if I had the my gumption. But I believed in Miles, and we are talking about so many other things. Well, so I I, I didn't divide my stuff into decades, but I I. One of the things that I have found about, out about myself is I really love sitcoms. Like I, I went through a period in my like late teen to early twenties life where I, I was like, okay, sitcoms are, you know, like a, a, a lower form of artwork, <laughs> and which is absolutely untrue. And he was an idiot. But looking back, the first and. <laughs> one that i've i have gone back to many a time i i have rewatched all nine seasons several times uh is a show that i grew up with a, a, a show that i bonded over with my grandmother who watching it as an adult i'm like i'm so i'm shocked that i was allowed to watch this show and that's the golden girls <laughs> so the golden girls is one of my favorite shows of all time confession time i would say one of the best sitcoms of all time still confession time i i know this show's reputation i know that creative forces behind this show have gone on to be involved in my favorite tv series of the late 90s early 2000s i've never watched an episode of the golden girls boy oh boy are we gonna fix that this year yeah um, welcome welcome to miles and i show planning live on the on the air <laughs> so golden girls i'm assuming you know the concept yes it's it's about four elderly women who live together elderly um, quote like i think the old the one of they're all in the their concept of the show though i just it's just funny that they're all in their like early 60s and that is just a very different thing in the context of 2024 than it was in 1980 for sure, whatever for sure um but this was my first interaction like especially with b arthur and um estelle getty the whip smart like witty sarcasm that those two women were excelling at not not to mention, you know, Betty White as kind of this the the heart, like saying like keeping the show to, to together and then uh Ruby Callahan just being a force of nature. I remember just being not sometimes laughing because of expressions and stuff they would do and not understanding the jokes because there's a lot of adult jokes that just flew over my head. Sure, sure. sure. Uh, but I knew I made my grandma laugh, and so I was, you know, trying to keep up with it. And I mean, these days, I mean, I've, it's on Hulu right now, and I've rewatched that show. It's the perfect show to go to bed to sometimes because, like, I can chuckle for a little bit. But there's something soporific about watching a show from the 80s, especially a sitcom. It puts you in this, like, oh, it's late night, you know, almost like a Nick at Night thing where, like, okay, I can lull myself to sleep. But uh, it, it's a show that has such a sharp tongue uh, comedically. That I think it was the first time that I, I was recognizing a comedic voice as I got older because that show was in perpetual reruns. Like it, yeah. it ended, but it never left it, uh, TV. It feels like a show that I hear a lot of specifically millennial commentary on today as a show that's held up. And I mentioned that it has people that uh, that that have gone on like the creator of Arrested Development, one of his first jobs in TV was working on Golden Girls. Like there's yeah. th there's 
cultural DNA and so many things that came after it. Oh, I mean, and not to, I mean, not to mention all four women were absolute powerhouses of of television and, and film like I mean, Betty White. I mean, come on, Betty White, <laughs> like, Betty White. What, what can you say? But B, B. Arthur, Stoke, all of them, uh, phenomenal women. And uh, it's a show that has has continued to have an impact on me. And I I feel like it's one of those shows where, like, you convince someone to watch it because the concept doesn't always win, even though versions of it. I mean, Betty White basically starred in a, a sort of rebooted concept of that show called Hot in Cleveland for uh, TV Land that ran on for six seasons and was also amazing. <laughs> um i mean betty white was just a gem on her own it's it's it's, it's, um and and that was one of those things where like betty white looked like my grandma so like i always associated her with my grandma and so like even when my grandma passed betty white was still doing television and stuff so it was like oh it's my grandma (laughs) um it it, it, yeah that, that show holds such a special place in my heart and was the first sitcom that i think i really started to to click with you know as a kid and kind of understand the format of of situational comedy uh so i want to i want to round out my 60s i both my age and my uh my way of life uh my 1960s shows um obviously i want to mention batman 66 as it's now known the 60s batman tv show because i adored that show we that we've talked a lot about that one, so I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Uh, but the show that I do really want to talk about is a show called Get Smart. Get Smart was just a hilarious, hilarious show. It was in the spy genre uh, in mm-hmm. the in the in the early mid 60s. Um, starring Don Adams as <laughs> as Maxwell Smart, uh, who was this agent for uh, oh, what was the name of his of his? Uh, oh, I don't remember. It's been so long since I've watched Get Smart. Oh, uh, that was another Control. One, I think Control was the name of of the the uh, of the 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 organization as they went up against the the evil Chaos organization. Um, and so you had Max, and you had the Chief, and you had. Uh, Agent 99, played by Barbara Feldon, as they went on different event, you know, adventures all around the all around the globe, dealing with just 60s spy stuff in a funny like, you know, it was like a parody of James Bond at the time. Um, And uh, it, it was, you know, it's one of those things where I didn't know this at the time, obviously, but, you know, Mel Brooks, the Mel Brooks co created this show and wrote for it. And and it's it and you can and knowing that and going back and watching it, you can see that now. Now it is a show that doesn't hold up quite as well because of you know the fact that it was on in 1965, but it was you know still the the shoe phone and the the cone of silence and all of these things that that happened in it were just so funny. And Don Adams was just a, a brilliant performer for Maxwell Smart. Uh, Don Adams would go on to be a number of other people in in, in stuff we were growing up. He was uh, Inspector Gadget uh, in, in the cartoons. He was just, mm-hmm. he was uh, so many other, uh, other things. And uh, yeah, Get Smart, fantastic show. Um, be careful watching it around your young ones that are aware of society because some of the things are a little uh not quite as uh um cool today but you know it was the 60s <laughs> yeah it's it's one i don't i i remember seeing as a kid and I, i've seen enough to where like you telling me that you love that show explains so much to me um <laughs> Because I mean, I like that kind of humor. I just don't, I don't think I saw it enough uh, when I was a kid. Like I, I I remember Get Smart coming on, um, and yeah, I just I just don't think I, I just I just didn't happen to see it that much. And again, we come from an age where if you weren't there when it was airing, you didn't see it. But that, but we also came from an age where stuff aired forever. <laughs> if it was a certain age, it's true. It just depends on when you were logging in on what channel you were logging in on. 
Um, and it's, yeah, it's one that I have missed out on. So maybe, maybe we'll figure something out this year. Um, especially considering what we're doing next week. Um, maybe we'll, 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 maybe like a birthday month or something. We'll, we'll figure something <laughs> out for, for a Welcome like to show planning on air. Um, so again, I, I didn't go into, I didn't like organize my stuff by decades like Drew did. So I'm going to keep bringing up stuff and then we're going to go back in time. Um, so I want to bring up a show that we have talked about a lot, um, that we have, I think even done episodes on, but it's a show that, I mean, the the you could trace my sense of my my actual sense of humor back to this show you can trace even even if i was discovering comedy and stuff in terms of what i was watching it wasn't until i watched this show where i think i realized what comedy was and it is one that has i think informed how i view the world in terms of how i take in content and my ability to enjoy content that might not be so great. And that show is, of course, Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> in the not-too-distant future, somewhere in time and space. I uh, I came to Mystery Science Theater in the grand scheme of things late. Only because I my hometown cable provider did not have Comedy Central until after msc 3 gay had moved to the sci-fi channel so i have uh you know watched i start early-ish i mean it, well it wasn't because it only aired for a couple of seasons on sci-fi channel before it was canceled and <laughs> stayed right, off the air for 20 what, years 99 so we were still like children <laughs> yeah it, it moved i think in 96 to comedy central or to sci-fi channel um but yeah, I but in in my later years, MST3K has been uh, huge for me and my wife. And now my kids have gotten into it a bit as well. Um, we got to my my family. Sadly, my wife was not able to join us when we went to uh, they came to the Center of Pu Puppetry Arts in Atlanta and we all got to meet Joel and we got to meet uh, Baron, oh, cool. who is the new uh, Tom Servo and Emily Marsh, who is the new. Uh, well, one of well, she is the newest of the hosts uh, who she was. She started her run on the most recent live tour and is now uh, on the, the show itself. And she's fantastic. Love her. Um, but we got to meet the three of them when they came to do a uh, uh, kind of a live reaction to a, a, a screening of um, uh, Atlantis uh, beyond Atlantis is the name. I think the mm. name of the movie. And uh, yeah, huge, huge, huge fan of MST3K. I'm more a fan of it in my adult life than I am as in a, as a youth. But so, just because it wasn't on for me. Right. And I mean, for me, I, again, this is one of those things where I discovered it late night. And I, the first time I saw it, I thought there was something wrong with my TV. I was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> like, I thought there was a, a pirate broadcast or something. Like, that was the energy that this show had. And having the sci-fi element ingrained into the show as opposed to just being a sh like it took the idea of uh the classic horror host to a new degree because it wasn't just um oh you cut out mouse it wasn't just presenting a movie and like having a couple jokes like your Elvira or even Joe Bob Briggs, like they made the whole thing a presentation. And I think that, and, and not to disparage uh, Elvira or Joe Bob Briggs, I, I love them both, but there was something different they were doing. And as someone who loves movies and loves genre movies, and that they were doing this in a kind of a gleeful manner, it wasn't acidic for the most part. There's, there's a couple of times where you can feel like they really hate the movie that they're watching. Um, <laughs> But I, yeah, th th this this movie is or this this show is responsible for so much of how I developed as someone who cons consumed media, and I think why I 
you know, because I watched it when I did and as a developing child, like my, I think it's another reason why my, uh, I want to say tolerance for <laughs> trash is so high. Cause like there are some people like, how can you watch this movie with this dialogue and think, hell yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I think hell yeah. Cause this is awesome. It's, it's a great, when they, when they're on, it is just a fantastic, fun, fun show. Um, uh, I want to move into the 19. 19- now entering the set. True. <laughs> now we're into entering the seventies and I don't have nearly as many seventies shows. Um, only because I mentioned, uh, one thing that is going to be just a ton of content. Um, but the the one show that I want to to make special time for is a show whose theme song I can sing at any moment. No questions asked. Welcome back. Your dreams are what took you out. But I don't know. Welcome back. Welcome back, Cotter. Have you ever watched this show, Miles? I actually no. I've never seen. I mean, I know of the show, but this was one. So a lot of the 70s sitcoms. I have a weird hole with there are some that would come on Vic at night and stuff like that. So I I saw, you know, you Mary Tyler Moore's that girl. Um, I saw a lot of those kind of shows, White Shadow, um, Taxi, stuff like that but T- taxi also on my list i'm not going to talk about it too much uh just because we're running low on time and we haven't even gotten into the 80s yet but yeah so, some of the, the your welcome back carter uh cotters your um i mean just a lot of those sitcoms in general a lot of the family sitcoms didn't watch the jeffersons much didn't watch archie bunker much um there was a lot of those that i just i've just never seen they were on but they were the kind of shows that I just I wasn't as as interested in. Not that Cotter's among those. I'm just I'm listing big sitcoms from the time period, and I just didn't really connect with a lot of them. I so I, I just I have I've never seen that one. So Welcome Back Cotter is about uh, Gabe Cotter, played by Gabe Kaplan, who who goes back to return to his uh, high school as a teacher, uh, and he ends up sort of mentoring and befriending. Uh, a group of his students known as the sweat hogs, which he was a former sweat hog himself when he was in high school. Um, uh, sweat hogs, just much like uh, Vinny, ba 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 Barino played by uh, uh, John Travolta of all people. Um, you've got uh Horshack and uh, Percy boom, boom Washington and Epstein and all of these characters as they sort of, navigate this sort of late 70s high school life and just sort of kind of become a part of cotter's you know extended family as a result um i learned after i was fully embedded in it that my dad went to a taping of welcome back cotter at one point and that's pretty cool he described the episode in question and i've never been able to find and watch the episode that he was uh in the audience for and I feel like that's something that adult me needs to do now. That's st- because back in the day, you watched what you watched when it came on. I'm sure Cotter's streaming somewhere. I need to just go through and watch all of Cotter, watch all 94 episodes and and, and see what I can see. See if I can f- listen to my dad's very iconic laugh and see if I can hear it in the background of an episode. That's I mean, that's that's really cool. I, I, I would have loved to have sat in on a sitcom. I think oh, it's yeah. super fun. It's on Tubi streaming on Tubi. Going to have to going to have to get to that. Um, I mean, we we have spent a lot of time talking about this this next show. So I'm just going to mention Are You Afraid of the Dark is obviously one of the most so, important shows in my life. I, I want to extend that, Miles, to not just Are You Afraid of the Dark, but I... To, to 90s Nickelodeon. <laughs> to 90s Nickelodeon, because there are so many shows that were on my list that I just, I have to credit to 90s Nickelodeon. Uh, we Obviously, we've talked about Pete and Pete on this show. We did the entire series of Pete and Pete. Tiny Toon Adventures was a Nickelodeon series. Um, no, it wasn't. That was on Fox. No, it wasn't. It was on Fox. It was on Fox. Never mind. Uh, but 
uh, Pete and Pete, uh, are you afraid of the dark? Clarissa explains it all. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. Um, Rugrats, Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, uh, I own the game shows. Mark Summers is like double dare because of his Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon days. Double dare, family double dare, all of these shows. Uh, Wild and Crazy Kids. Wild and Crazy Kids does not get enough conversation mm-hmm. in, in in today. Wild but, and Crazy Kids. Uh, yeah. Um, but yes. 90s Nickelodeon. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 we dedicated a whole month to it once for a reason, and we keep for a reason to do it again. Keep talking about doing it again. Yes, one hundred percent. There's also a great oral history uh, called Slimed, and then a documentary film that's kind of using that uh, book as a basis called uh, The Orange Years. I highly recommend it. I mean, that that decade was lightning lightning in a bottle. It was the inmates running the asylum. It will. I can confidently say it'll probably never happen again in television history. No, it is a magical moment in time. And I don't think either Drew or I would be talking on this mic right now the way we are without 90s Nickelodeon. So I I think we can just give the that entire era a, you know. Uh, 100%. Said, there's another 90s sitcom that I want to bring up that uh, was very very important to me as a kid and then miles? i rewatched it miles uh does yes. does this does this have a very iconic theme song no it doesn't oh never mind then i know what you thought i was doing um i thought you might bring it up so i didn't uh no no, no this one well i, I don't know I, I don't think they're all, the, the theme song that iconic um but this one is one that I went back to as an adult and fell in love all over again. And it's one of the best growing up on television sitcoms I think you can probably find. Uh, lasts a good seven seasons. And that is Boy Meets World. Um, OK, yeah, I was not that was not the one I was going I, for. But I, I know it wasn't. Uh, Boy Meets World is. It's it's weird to watch it now because you like like anything from the nineties. You're like, oh, that's mm, that's kind of a problem. Oh, that's kind of a problem. But uh, that said, uh, in terms of a coming of age sitcom, you, especially in the era that we grew up with, you you really can't do much better. Um, this this was definitely a show that I watched as I grew up, and you know within the context of the time like it really worked there are things now you're like but that was the first show that i could remember the characters getting old enough to get married yeah uh because like in save of the bell they were kind of already there (laughs) yeah i mean save by the bell is the one i was thinking that you were about to say (laughs) but but, i I thought you might um and that's that's also uh one that i i love and has you know gone on to have other pop culture you know zach morris is trash and and then then the zach morris podcast um zach yeah. attack or apparently one? zach morris is trash uh the guy that created that is actually right. really good friends with mark paul gosseler mark paul gosseler yeah <laughs> um but yeah blimmage world was one that i i think it, it kind of started my my what would become my love for like coming of age stories or like these kind of teen rom-coms like it's less of the movies that i watched them than boy meets world and 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 just everything about that show um there's not a whole lot to say other than this show is really fun it's funny you it starts off as a kid's show like the first couple seasons it's like kids it's like a home improvement but like it's really more focused on the kids it's like almost like a nickelodeon show like they put it on the air to kind of compete with your clarissas and stuff and then it becomes just a really good and it was it was part of uh tgif like it was a major part along with sabrina of the friday night uh sitcom lineup Uh, are we entering the 80s yet for you uh yeah so i i i i mean we've talked about transformers on the show uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want to spend too much time on the Transformers as I am surrounded by multiple Transformers as we are recording. I've got a star scream in my hands right now. Um, but a show that I want to make sure we talk about is a show called The Real Ghostbusters, not mm. the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters, because those shows are different. They 
are different. Um, uh, uh, the real I, Ghostbusters. I, I, I would grab my 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 Ecto One Transformer, but it's 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 got too much stuff on it. I don't want to get it. Uh, <laughs> you remind me that I also have that sitting right here. Ectotron. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a fantastic uh, Transformer. I love this thing. But yes, uh, so the real Ghostbusters, which was the cartoon version of the Ghostbusters movie, uh, it, it just just fun just fun you know uh, stylish uh fun things um and sadly <laughs> one of the moments of embarrassment for my mom because i was obsessed with that show i only wanted toys from that show i had the proton pack i had the ecto one i had the, the i had the trap i had the trap i had the pke meter i had the firehouse miles I had the firehouse. I never had the firehouse. I don't think I had a. No, we had the, we had the protap pack. Maybe it was maybe it's Ghostbusters too that had the little uh pink foam thing on it. I had one that was yellow foam, so um, it's probably similar. But yeah, I loved the real Ghostbusters to the point where when my uh when my my I have twin cousins that are about ten years younger than me, ten or eleven years younger than me, and we were watching them and ghostbusters came on tv not the real ghostbusters but the original movie and my mom uh forgot that the ghostbusters movie for when you're talking about kids that are like two or three it's a little scarier uh oh, yeah. than you might remember it being when all you've been exposed to in the last 10 years is a cartoon show about it uh, but not to say that the real ghostbusters didn't get real creepy when they did the boogeyman episode that was real there, weird there. That's the one thing I really celebrate about that show. And and I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to kind of gloss over like the kind of 80s cartoons because we talked about them so much on, on our show. And but yeah, the ghost, the real ghost is, is awesome. I mean, like Scooby-Doo, a monumentally important show because anything horror related that I could watch as a kid, big, big deal. Love the Ghostbusters. But the real Ghostbusters I mean, they had people who would go on to be like award-winning comic writers. Like J. Michael Straczynski wrote a lot of Ghostbusters. He's recently kind of complained that they talked about, oh yeah, we wanted to use the kind of wild and crazy creatures like in the real Ghostbusters. And he was like, well, why, why did no one call me? I got plenty. <laughs> um, but there were just, some just, great... just keep writing your Babylon 5 remake. <laughs> but yeah, there, there are plenty of great episodes that treat the characters seriously. There are there's a, a couple of two parters where like the Ghostbusters are in real trouble. Like not well, there, just like there was the whole two parter that had their like weird evil ghost world versions of themselves yes, coming through. That that... That one. There's the classic like do not open till doomsday episode. Um, I uh i think it was the collect call of cthulhu um like there there is some there was some great great stuff um it's a wonderful show um very indicative of the 80s because it's very more of that mad ball style of ghost design than anything else um i think it helped really popularize slimer it's where we get our ecto cooler from ecto cooler baby um, which I think is making a comeback when it, when the movie comes out in March, but it'll probably be limited run again because I didn't get any last time. I hope it comes back, and I hope that Untitled Arts Ecto Green Seltzer comes back as a result as well. You and me both. That's that's stuff <sighs> real good. It was so good. It was so good. Um, um, Untitled Art, one of my favorite breweries. Um, we're adults so, now, so we're allowed to. to <laughs> we're allowed, we're allowed to drink child flavored alcoholic <laughs> drinks. <laughs> Uh, I went to I went to a uh, used to frequent a place that uh, it's no longer open anymore, but would make uh, adult Capri Suns pouches and everything. Um, but they're here or there. Um, speaking of animated shows, uh, I I think it's this is one that we haven't talked about on the podcast. Okay. I, it's one I've been meaning to talk about on the podcast. All one right. we might get to this year. Okay, uh, but it's the, it's the first American show. American animated show that I remember that had a a fairly sequential story and not just like in terms of like oh Batman had continuity within the episode where if, oh he took off his belt that belt stayed off he was cut a certain way that cut was there the entire episode this was a a a, a show that had an entire run that is to this day unfinished 
uh, in terms of the story. Miles. But its entire first season. Can I guess the show you're about to say? You probably can, yes. Yeah. What, does it involve uh, Neo Sapiens from the planet Mars? Nope. Never mind. Never mind. I'll I'll bring that up later. We'll talk about that later. Go on. Preach on, brother. Uh, no, no, this is, a, I believe, a Hanna-Barbera production. Uh, that I think failed. I think they had big plans for this, and it just failed to find its audience because they has a Sega Genesis game. They went all in on this show, and it's one that I haven't. I I have a copy of on blue uh, DVD. Haven't revisited because I've been looking for a show reason to do it. But it's one that I was obsessed with as a kid and have the fondest memories of. And that is the Pirates of Darkwater. Of course. I feel bad for not thinking of that initially. Golly. The the Pirates of Darkwater had this story where the, the, the Black Ocean is basically taking over the world. And the 13 treasures could possibly heal it. But at the same time, there are evil people who don't really care. They just want the treasure for themselves. I think it grants a wish or something. I can't remember. And you have Ren and his crew um, who are seeking out the 13 treasures. I think it's 13 jewels to to heal the world, basically. And I remember hearing at some point that someone on the crew also worked on Titan AE and had said that they considered it a sp spiritual way of finishing Pirates of Darkwater. But I've never... I've, I'm reading that somewhere and I've never been able to, to like actually confirm that. Also because those stories are so different. But they're also similar in terms of like the, the disease that's taken over the universe or whatever. Yeah. I what they call uh, it. Yeah. Pirates of dark water. It was a great show um, with the, uh, with the, the evil, what was the name of the evil pirate captain? Oh gosh. I can't remember. His, why did you ask me right now? Oh, um, I'm sorry. I thought you were prepared for this episode. Uh, I, I honestly thought you'd be like, yeah, I didn't see it. <laughs> no, but when when they would, they wouldn't throw anybody overboard. They wouldn't make anybody walk the plank in that. But he would have Bloth. He, Bloth. Bloth. He had this this sort of center point that would open up and it was this like tentacled Sarlacc monster kind of thing that lived in the ship that he would throw people into. Uh, he had the 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 flying monkey creature who mm -hmm. like liked uh, some sort of melon. Yeah, that show was great. Oh, you talking about Niddler? Niddler. I haven't seen that show in 20 years, easily. More <laughs> yeah, than... Um, I, I need... Uh, Miles, I am old enough that I need to adjust my timings because 20 years ago was the year 2004, and I definitely haven't seen it... You have not watched this since the 90s. Since it the 90s. Had, it technically had a <laughs> miniseries in two seasons, but don't get excited because... The miniseries with five episodes and each quote unquote season was eight. So there is still only like 21 episodes of this, this show that exists. Um, um, and, and weirdly enough for me, like there has never been a, a reboot comic or some sort of like new version to, to bring it back. I don't know if there's a crazy rights issue or what, but that happens, man. That that happens to to a lot of these things. I wonder. Um, OK, this is where I got it from. David Kirshner is the. Um, the guy who executive produced and uh, was the writer for Pirates of Darkwater. He was one of Don Bluth's producers and, in fact, produced Titan A.E. So. I imagine that's where I got it from is that probably in some interview, David Kirshner said that this is his way of finishing that story. Uh, in, in a spiritual sense, according, um, according to Wikipedia, the show was parodied in one series of early interstitials on Cartoon Network. These commercials featured a viewer's question in Cartoon Network's comical take on the answer. In Pirate's case, it was on the unaired episodes. Cartoon Network claimed to have the episodes on tape and promised to air them instead showing footage of a cat lapping milk, suggesting that I, someone taped over the only copy of what would have been the non-existent episode. I remember that happening and <laughs> did not understand that it was a joke at first and being so upset 
Like the the people they they wanted to really get were were me. And oh man, yeah. But th- this this was the first time I watched a, an animated show that actually had an ongoing story. And why I always kind of compare this one to you know anime and stuff because like my first interaction with that was not gargoyles it was the pirates of dark water and i think it kind of informs why i like some of the outlandish stories like this um and especially my love for jrpgs because this whole thing feels like a jrpg yeah yeah like ren is essentially a a jrpg protagonist he even looks (laughs) like link (laughs) he does with this little rat tail um yeah what you got so i I was gonna say because we're we're rounding out the 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 hour here and so what keep going i have too many more to talk about i we have to we have to give a big shout out to batman the animated series and all the other dc animated things spider-man cartoon we've covered on the show x-men uh the animated series uh, might be covered on the show at some point coming up um because that was also great um i'm trying to figure out what i want to end the show with and i i can't i can't find one i feel feel like like we're only halfway there and you want to end the show now i know i know but we've got so much more to talk about this year miles so much more um so we can't spend too much time talking about tiny tune adventures or Law and Order SVU, or Cartoon Network in general. Heck, Miles. I'm going to talk about Law and Order SVU. How many times are we going to talk about the Hanna Barbera cartoons? All of them, including the Galaxy Trio. I don't know, man. We got so much to talk about this year on The More You Nerd. And I feel like right now, we just need to pause and prepare ourselves for what is coming next. So send in your stuff about the the uh, uh kyle we got your email um but we, we will read that next week uh as we talk about what we're talking about next week because we're gonna slow it down a bit not slow it down we're gonna move forward full speed ahead the opposite of slowing down i don't even know what i'm saying because miles i don't know what i'm saying because i'm old I'm very very old and you're old we're both old. We're the same age. I know, but that age is old. As we are both turning 40 this year. Yeah. Ancient, ancient 40. And that, but if we're turning 40 in the year 2024, that means we were born in the year 1984. And 1984 is known for a lot of things. And we are going to go through 1984 in media movies tv show all of the biggest impacts that that our birth year has had on the world that's what we were talking about next week and that's how we were going to finish january of 2024 as we move into everything else that's happening this year i'm excited i'm i'm very excited i really didn't think you were like wanting to end the episode right now because i was like oh i got so many shows to talk about (laughs) you didn't even get to talk about simpsons I know I can talk about the Simpsons so much. I, like I know uh, it's a show I haven't watched in 10 years, uh, more than that, 15 years, but it's a show oh, that I, th- I, th- I throw it on on Disney plus every now and then it's, uh, it's still fun, but, but I can I watch the monorail episode last week. Monorail monorail. I, I like, I, I can, uh, it, it, it is, it is the foundation of my sense of humor. The Simpsons. I, we should probably at some point do a Simpsons you know theme but it's going to be narrowing that down without just me wanting to watch all 30 seasons of the show i know it's more you than 30 seasons now like a, you haven't watched it in like 10 years i know you i are. know there are so, there's so much i haven't seen but it is still like it's still so influential and those early seasons are still just so so freaking good um I, yeah, I didn't even get to talk about Letter Kenny. Didn't even get didn't even get to the modern age. What? Or 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 modern Buffett. modern age. Modern age. Hey, look. As a human being, I am always growing. I am always evolving. <laughs> and so different things have continue to have effects on me. 
Well, maybe I, I don't subscribe to this idea that like we're done baking. Well, maybe with, with we'll return to to this conversation at a future uh, ah, at a future point. Uh, but for now, it's late and I'm tired. All so right, fine, we're going to end the show. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreynerd.com, where you can find this and every other episode. You can tweet to us at the more you nerd, uh, blue sky at the more you nerd, facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And you can, of course, email us the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. And until next time, we end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. Do nerd for y'all. Thank you.